So we'll be in 1 John chapter 5, and I'll be reading from verse 14. First John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, And that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word, and Lord, we are very much in need of understanding more and more of your word to us. And truly, Lord, we are thankful for prayer. And we're thankful, Father, that we can come to you with the greatest of confidence, realizing that your will should always be in the heart of each prayer that we bring before you. And Lord, we do thank you that you have overcome the world because of the Lord Jesus Christ and that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so I pray, Father, that you will bless and encourage us this afternoon in these words which have been given to us that we might learn and grow in the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage, it is a relatively short passage, of course, but yet there are some very important things being said here in this passage. I've simply entitled the message this afternoon, Our Confidence in Prayer. Well, that is a very important subject, isn't it, prayer? And probably each one of us would want to be more in prayer than we perhaps are. But prayer is the language of the Christian the language of the child of God, as it has been said. That is how we speak to God. We speak to the Lord in prayer. And though we feel most inadequate at times in our praying, yet that is how God 
designed that we might communicate with him. I believe it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that prayer is a great rope from God and when we pull it, it rings the bell in the ear of God. That's how we get his attention, is by praying. And prayer then becomes an important avenue where we connect with the Lord to seek his will and to ask of him those things that we cannot possibly solve ourselves. And uh, here in this passage, we find that prayer is to be our confidence toward God in this, that we should ask according to his will. Three areas we will look at here this afternoon. First of all, we must ask according to his will. And of course, that may be somewhat problematic for some people. We would say, well, how do I know what the will of God is? But we can talk about that, and we can simplify that a little bit, I believe. Uh, Secondly, pray for your brother in Christ who is struggling with sin. It seems like there is much being said uh, throughout the book of 1 John here about loving your brother, and certainly um, as believers, we are to pray for one another. In fact, we find that it is essential. And without prayer for one another, we feel somewhat abandoned in a sense. Because we, we look to our brothers and sisters in Christ to take recognition of our need as much as we should take recognition of their need. And that we should pray for them because Prayer is how we communicate to the Lord and how he takes notice of those things that are upon our hearts. Also, we see that um, number two says struggling with sin. Well, as much as um, we realize that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, we know that we do struggle with the old nature and that we are sometimes in need of of prayer because of some personal area or weakness that we might have or something that has overtaken us and each of us probably can relate to some trial or some particular thing which has well like the Apostle Paul it was kind of like a thorn in the flesh that he wanted to take and be taken from him. And, you know, many people come up with a whole lot of ideas about what that thorn in the flesh is, but every time I have a little problem, I think, well, Lord, maybe this is my thorn in the flesh. <laughs> um, the flesh seems to be pretty um, dominant and wants to have its way. And so what do I do? Um, I need to look to the Lord and and pray and and that others can pray as well. And then thirdly, the children of God are to keep themselves from idols. Um, 
idolatry? Well, it seems that when we boil it down, most everything is related to idolatry in some way or another. If we find ourselves as straying away from the Lord, then we find perhaps the very first commandment um, comes to our attention and that we are to have no other gods before the one that is the one true and living God. And uh, if there is some sense of sin or, or weakness that we have, perhaps it is brought on by either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, and we probably can point back to something that we are kind of holding too dear and close to us. And even the teachers of the first century, many of those false teachers were involved in things that were not true in, to the teaching of Christ, which meant they had some other God before them. And um, there were gods many, of course, in the first century. In fact, uh, the Romans had many gods, as we know, mythological type of gods, we might say. But then there were many uh, temples to those same gods, and plenty of them. Um, and when we think about today and the kinds of things that people are involved in, it seems that there are many gods in our world today as well. If they are not of stone and wood or metal, then they are of something else which has captured their hearts and their attentions and which they worship and they give their allegiance to. So it should not surprise us that John closes with something as basic as to keep yourselves from idols. Well, let's look at these three areas here this afternoon. First of all, in verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, when we think about uh, what it means to ask according to the will of God, we have before us, of course, uh, a great body of work, which we call the Bible, which as we do um, study it and and read the pages of this of the revelation of God to man that otherwise man would not know save God give it we find there is much here that we might know the will of God and it is a perfect place for us to start with whenever we are praying and asking the Lord to solve a problem or that we are in some way petitioning the Lord or perhaps we are interceding on the behalf of someone else and praying for them. And I think probably the most difficult part of it is leaving the matter with the Lord, isn't it? We sometimes want to 
take it up into our own hands and in our own ability and try to solve the problem ourselves. But we find that there is no real solution to most of the things we pray for except that God intervenes in the lives of those we are praying for or in our own lives. And so he desires for us to pray according to his will. And so um, this confidence that we have, it is that God is going to accomplish his purpose and his will in the very thing that we are bringing before him. That's where the confidence comes in. Because God means to do what is good and right. God means for us to be his children and to be in all ways um, better for it. We are the children of God, our Heavenly Father. And many times we do begin that way, don't we? we our Father who art in heaven, how would be thy name? Even though that model prayer was given to the disciples, it is one which traditionally has been used in churches and which comes back to our own attention each time that we desire to come before the Lord. Who we are addressing, truly it is our Father who is in heaven. That his will might be done and accomplished. So even Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will but thine be done. And so if Jesus could use such a simple format as realizing the will of God must be accomplished, then certainly we ought to do the same, you see. And so we have the Word of God, that will tell us what the will of God is. And we have within our own hearts a need to rely upon the very one that we are praying to. And so our confidence is in the Lord and our prayers must be um, left with God and the spiritual victory of those things which we desire to have accomplished must be at the hand of God. God must be the author of those things. The author and finisher of our faith, even Jesus Christ, went to the cross and died for our sins and became our great sacrifice for sin as well as our great high priest. And so what greater confidence can we possibly desire but to take our prayers unto the very one who is an intercessor for us, even Jesus. And so our confidence in God, our confidence realizing that God means for us to pray in his will, for his will to be accomplished. And then also in verse 14 he says, he hears us, he hears us. Uh, perhaps we have to keep telling us uh, ourselves that more often than we should as we pray. And 
It's kind of like the desperation of prayer sometimes causes us to take some question into our hearts and we say, is, is the Lord really listening? As, because we often find ourselves so desperate that we say, well, Lord, uh, just when are you going to do this thing that, that is, is needed? And, and yet we find that um, he does hear us. He hears us. See, part of our confidence is just simply believing that God is going to accomplish his purposes. Um, and, and so we bring our petitions. And we read the record of what he has told us. And we realize that if we don't leave it with him, if we don't believe that he hears us and, and we don't leave it with him, then we haven't really been talking to the Lord. We've been kind of some little soliloquy where we mouth in the words to ourselves or something, hoping that it will accomplish something. But in reality, it comes down to faith, doesn't it? It comes to faith. We must believe that God is our confidence, that his will will be accomplished, that he does hear us. He does hear us. In the next verse he says, and if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now I suppose, you know, in, in this next verse, we, um, many people have said, well, maybe I've got a blank check, I can just write anything I want. But that isn't really what John is getting at here, is it? No. He's combating a very ingrown, natural thing that is... Um, a part of people, and that is uh, they must accept the very thing that God desires and believe that God is going to accomplish this. And in other words, to believe exactly what he says. And if we know that he hear us, which, he, which he, we are supposed to believe, whatever we ask, we know, we have the petitions that we desired him, and you might just go back to the previous verse and say, because we have asked the will of the Lord. Because we have asked the will of the Lord. That's how we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Well, each of us have children, right? Probably... Um, or at least somebody in close in our families, which we prayed for. Um, and maybe even this week, uh, perhaps you prayed for somebody in your family, close to you. Uh, I did. I prayed for somebody in my family. And I had to think about this verse as it was, as I was reading over this passage, I had to think about it. And I, and I thought to myself, well... 
I know what I would do, perhaps, if I wanted the prayer, my prayer to be answered. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't determine those things on, on my authority. I had to come to the conclusion, Lord, you know what is best. You want me to pray, and I want to pray, and I want to see some things accomplished in, in, the, in the area of prayer that I'm praying. But I, I, I have to leave it with you. I have to believe that you are going to do it according to the design that you have set. And that's what we get here from, you know, from this. If we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. We have the petitions we have desired of him. Because he, has, he hears us, because we prayed according to his will, because we haven't asked anything out of the will of God. You see, and that's where as believers we, we really need to focus. We need to focus on the will of God. Not only for our lives, but for the lives of others. And I'm not talking about some futuristic element of the will of God, you know, outside of the realm of our knowledge. Now, most of the things that we pray for are within the framework of what we know. Whether we're praying for somebody's health or we're praying for some uh, other area where circumstances are involved, um, there are things that we know. And we bring those to the Lord and we leave them with the Lord and we say, Lord, your will be done in this matter. Only we pray that you hear and accomplish those things. And then we look at the scriptures and we see, yes, we have the petitions that we have asked of the Lord. We have them. We have them because God hears us. Because God hears us. And um, prayer meetings, I suppose, uh, you know, we, we get together to pray at prayer meetings and we make prayer lists and we go over them week by week and, and so forth. And we find ourselves looking to the Lord and asking the Lord to accomplish those petitions to really bring a sense of resolution to the very things that we are asking of him. And how wonderful John even, you know, he even speaks to the, the issue here. He's, he's giving us a sense that not only does God hear us, but God is, is purposed to accomplish his will. God is desiring that we understand that he is attentive to the, to the prayers that we make. All of this that we are longing to understand more fully, John is saying, yes. Yes, it's right here. Yes, he, he will do these things. Only believe that God is accomplishing those as you bring them to him. And so asking according to the will of God is, is as basic as 
that he sent Jesus to die for our sins and that he suffered, that he died and he was buried and he arose again the third day. God means to accomplish his purpose. You see, because Jesus came, this is all possible. This is the reality of our spiritual walk with him. Jesus came and died for our sins and made this all possible. Secondly, pray for your brother in Christ who is struggling with sin. This is the next thing he goes into. He says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Now, immediately people might focus on the second part of it. There is a sin unto death. It's, they seem to, that intrigues people. What, which, what sin is it? Okay, well, let me just say this. All sin leads to death. <laughs> because we find that the wages of sin is death, right? <laughs> okay, so we got that one cleared up. <laughs> so, um, in other words, he's saying to you, if you know somebody who is struggling with sin, then pray for them. Pray for them. Not every brother in Christ is an Ananias and Sapphira who... Um, fell to a certain untimely demise because of their uh, early lying to the Holy Spirit. No, it's... You know, we don't have to look for that one thing and try to figure out what it is that is a sin unto death. Uh, we need to pray for those who are struggling with sin. Brothers and sisters, and, well... Okay. Anybody not struggling? With sin somewhere. <laughs> you see, but when we do know of someone who personally is struggling, then we should not neglect to pray for them. And it becomes so important to do that. And so he says, there is a sin unto death. Um, you know, as I said, this, this one particular part of the verse seems to be the focus of many. And uh, I'm not so sure that it is um, something we need to focus on that much. I mean, obviously, if somebody was involved in some kind of sinful activity on a habitual basis and they were Christians and they would not repent of it, and they didn't seem to be responding to prayer, um, it does not mean that the Lord wouldn't give them an untimely early death. They may. The Lord may do that. And it seems that maybe even in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where some of them were sinning against the the, the Lord's Supper, as we call it, or the love feast that they came together for, um, some of them may have died untimely because they 
did sin against the Lord. And um, like I said, Ananias and Sapphira may be one in point, or you may you may find somebody else, you know, in the scriptures as a good example of that. Um, but well, as Brother Adam was was briefly talking about Jonah and what what happened to Jonah. Well, you would say, well, maybe Jonah would have been a good candidate for that. But no, you see, the Lord didn't didn't uh, take him out because simply because he was disobedient. Uh, he took him down, obviously, pretty deep, <laughs> and then he spit him back out on the ground, <laughs> on, on the shore, and sent him off again. <laughs> well, um, I think it's important that we realize that the last part of that verse is kind of the um, the singular part of it that is not very often perhaps done a person who sins unto death you know most of our relations that we have with one another and fellowship in Christ we realize that there are some other basic areas of need that we have that the Lord wants us to focus on uh, and so we should we should uh, you might say, well, those are warnings. Certainly sin can have a, a terrible effect upon someone and can be devastating. And we can, uh, perhaps in our society today, our cultural uh, things that go on in our society, we can say, well, there are some pretty bad things going on out there. Um, but remember, we have to pray for those within the family of God, those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and... Uh, where are the unsaved headed? Well, they're headed to a Christless eternity anyway. No, he's focusing on here, we should pray for one another and the struggles that our brothers and sisters go through and we should be mindful to pray for them in their need. We should be mindful to do that. And then uh, thirdly here, he goes on. Let's read a little bit further. Verse 17, he says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin, or there is sin not unto death. Um, you could read it either way, but there is a sin not unto death. It doesn't mean one sin. He said there is sin unto death. Um, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Well, um, uh, he isn't teaching sinless perfection. Let's get that out of the way. We, we, because we know there's ample scripture which tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we do realize that that sin is unrighteousness with God. But then there is one who has come and died for our sins and that our righteousness is in Christ. And so when he talks about um, he that is born of God and we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, well, Jesus is our righteousness so he has taken our sin 
past, present, and future. Well, he, as long as we're walking around down here, he lets us bear the consequences of our sin. Let's remember that. I suppose that's what, uh, what is the, the soberness of uh, a person who might sin unto death. Con consequences of sin may take a person closer to it, right? Closer to death. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Well, it is true that if we're begotten of God, we ought to keep ourselves close to the Lord. The sanctification of the believer is important. Um, prayer is a part of it. Reading the scriptures is a part of it. Going to church is a part of it. Keeping ourselves unspotted from the world is a part of it. There are many things that we can implement and should continue to do in our lives to keep ourselves from sin, you see. And because why? We are begotten of God. We are begotten of God. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Well, it kind of lays a little bit more of the responsibility on us, doesn't it? We're talking about some personal sanctification here. Um, we don't need to kick the tires of the new car and say the devil made me do it. Because, you know, that's kind of throwing the responsibility on the devil, you know. No. Uh, there's some things we are supposed to do here. To keep ourselves because we are born of God. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, I suppose we might bring up Job. I mean, the wicked one was allowed to touch Job, but not without permission. Not without permission. And God was very much uh, watching over Job. He, he may have gone through some terrible things, but in the end, God restored him, his family, his wealth. He didn't forget Job. And some people, as, as believers, go through a number of terrible things. But God doesn't forget us. God is he's still there. He's, he's waiting upon us and continuing to minister to our need. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Well, our victory is in Jesus. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's part of this same chapter that we read earlier. Uh, and how important it is that we realize that Jesus did win the victory over Satan at the cross. And though we're in a spiritual warfare, yeah, we do have some pretty good clothing that we can put on to help us. In Ephesians chapter 6, talks about that, doesn't it? And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Okay, now here is something else that we ought to remember. Just as much as we ought to remember that, we, that God means to accomplish His will, that God, that we, we hear God 
and that God means to answer our prayer, this is an important one, and we know that we are of God. We're of God. The whole world lies in wickedness. We are of God. See, here is a, here is a, 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 sharp, a sharp contrast between the two. Uh, the world is, the world is in wickedness. The world is involved in that worldly system which Satan is the god of this world. He is the god of this world and he blinds the minds of those who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Should shine. God's gospel is, is meant to lighten the hearts of believers, of unbelievers, of any who will turn to him. I love Pilgrim's Progress. After Pilgrim fell into the slough of despond and was ready to give it all up, Evangelist drags him out the other side and points him to the light at a far distance. And I believe Evangelist said something like, do you see that wicked gate afar? And the Christian said, no, I don't see it. Do you see that light? That light, do you see that light? And Christian said, yes, I see the light. I see that light, you see. And so he says, go in that direction. Go in that direction. Well, people need to be pointed to the light because they lie in wickedness. They're in, they're in this wicked worldly system and, but you are a child of God. You see, you're a child of God. And because you are a child of God, you can believe every positive element that John is bringing out here and take it to your own heart and write it down and say, this is true, this is for me, I believe the will of God is in, uh, I pray in the will of God because I know his word. I believe God hears me. I believe he means to accomplish his purpose either in my life or in my brother or my sister's life. I do pray if somebody is struggling with sin, I know God means to accomplish his purpose when, he, when we do this very thing because we are the children of God. And the whole world lies in wickedness, but we are the children of God. In verse 20, and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his Son Jesus Christ. Now that is a, that is a mouthful. But basically he's saying this. Jesus came to die for your sins and now because you are born of God, Christ is in you the hope of glory. Don't you just love the way John just comes right back and nails it down with, goes back to the cross and nails it all down again. <laughs> Have you forgotten this? 
And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. We are the children of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be called or be known as the children of God. And, and so it is. This truth, this truth is that which is underlying all of these things that John is saying to us. This truth. And so we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him. Even his Son, Jesus Christ. And then the last uh, one that we have here, the children of God are to keep themselves from idols. Now, Perhaps we wonder why John closes with something like this. But remember, uh, John is writing against Gnosticism, the Gnostics of his own day. He's writing against uh, false teachers. And what do false teachers do? They violate the scripture. They teach something other than that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins according to the word of God according to the scriptures they always do something different oh remember those who were were uh, making jeering marks to Christ while he was dying on the cross wanted him to come down from the cross if he was truly the Christ but to do so would to violate the will of God Jesus couldn't come down from the cross. The will of God was for him to die upon the cross and to die for the sins of the world. You see, false teachers always want Jesus to be something other than what he is. You know, they, 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 they say we, Christianity is a bloody religion and we sing about the blood. But in reality, there is no salvation without it. There is no salvation without the blood of Christ. He is the incarnate of God. He is the one born of a virgin. He is the one who is the God-man. He is the one who came down from heaven that would go back to heaven. He is the one that died for our sins and his atonement and his atonement alone was the propitiation of our sins. Without Jesus dying upon the cross and shedding his blood, there is no remission of sins. You see. And so the the, the false teachers in the first century were just as liberal as those are today who want to teach some social gospel and have you standing on the street with a placard uh, protesting something and, and they call that, you know, the most righteous thing you can do. 
or, or, or you know they want to rewrite part of the Bible and try to make it uh, something other than what the Word of God really is. Christians are to keep themselves from all manner of falsehood that can lead to idolatry. All manner of falsehood that can lead to idolatry. Whether it's some moral element or whether it is some psychological element or whether it's a new, a new philosophy or something or, or humanism no matter what it is. If it is not the Word of God then it stems from some idolatry within man. And there were plenty of idols in the first century that anybody could be involved with. And how many today are involved in some kind of religious superstition? You know, they, there's a lot of religious superstition going around within groups of churches or religious groups or even in Christianity there's a lot of religious superstition I have to be careful of it so our confidence in prayer our confidence in prayer this is an important subject it speaks to me because I'm, I'm just as needful to hear this as, as you are. It speaks to my own heart. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we do thank you that your word clearly tells us these things. I pray, Father, you will confirm these things upon our hearts over and over again, that we may remember that Jesus Christ is the one who came and died for our sins and he alone is the one who made it possible that the Spirit of God might indwell the believer because of the new birth and that the Word of God may indwell our hearts and minds to encourage us in our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope and that we are to believe and pray knowing and desiring that the will of God be accomplished because God does hear us because of Christ and God is involved in our lives and means for the very best to be accomplished Lord, we just praise you, Father, for these things that you are accomplishing in us. You know our weakness, that we are, our frame is as dust. We are from the ground, and we will return to it, Lord. But because you have given us that eternal soul within us and a spirit that communicates to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we take these things in and we believe them and we seriously 
and soberly want to follow closely to Jesus. Father, I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.